You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. I say this every week. I mean it every week. It's so great to see you guys. Thank you. Went fishing for a compliment and caught one. So I have a relationship with the Lord. The majority of you do, if not everybody in here. You spend time with the Lord during the week. You pray. You read the Word. And that's special, right? But man, there's something even more special about gathering with other people who are doing the same thing. And that's why I so look forward to Sunday. But church isn't just about Sunday. You know that, right? We have Tuesday night. We have Wednesday night. We have informal gatherings. Believers getting together. That's church. This is a building. You know that, right? This is a building. This is where we meet. This is where God has given us for now a base of operation. But we are the church. I'm not even sure why I said that. It wasn't even in the notes. Today we're beginning a study of Acts chapter 16. The text is Acts 16, 1 through 10. Dawn, if you'll come. And we'll stand again. Dawn's going to read Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. We're going to be standing and agreeing to honor God's word together. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Thanks, Dawn. You may be seated. So let's just see if you were listening. Did anything like shock you in that passage? We're going to break it down. Two sections. Verses 1 through 5. That's the setting or the background or the context of the setting. Verses 6 through 10 is where we're going to learn a lesson 
that hopefully, I'm so excited for this message because if we really hear what's being said, it can change your life. What, what, was anybody even listening to that? If you listen to what God is saying today, it can change your life. It can change how you live. How many here would like, I know we all have it just so good, right? I mean, but how many would like at least some kind of change in our lives moving forward? This can do that. Some of you know this already, and it'll just be a a minor tweak in your life. Maybe become more intentional. Others, this is going to be revolutionary because you haven't been, like much of the church hasn't been living according to what we're going to learn today. And God has a very crucial, critical message for the church that's very important to him that we get this because of what he wants to do in the days days ahead. You know, God kind of never really tolerates sin. We're, We're on dangerous ice if we say God tolerates sin. But there are times and seasons where it seems like God is less tolerant of our sin than others. And There are seasons where sin brings harsher consequences than others. Even if the consequence isn't like directly to us and we feel it, there's consequences to the kingdom because of what God planned didn't happen. And what Satan planned did happen. And that brings harsh consequences. This will help us at least in some way if the church can grasp this. This will help us avoid that situation where God's will is not being done and Satan's is. You know, that's not the intention. I will build my church. You finish it. I will build my church and... Satan's not supposed to be winning the day. If he's winning the day, it's on the church. Today's lesson is crucial crucial for the church. It's something God is urgently trying to get across to his people. This is the third time for us recently that he's brought it to our attention. Let's begin with a brief review. The last time we were together, we saw in Scripture that there was a huge dispute by two very spiritual men in the church, Paul and Barnabas. Scripture refers to it as a sharp dispute, which is not a good word. It implies many things, like words said that shouldn't have been said, an ugly scene between two very spiritual, um, looked up to, respected men. This was so intense, they parted ways. Paul and Barnabas. Each started then on his own missionary journey. But our main point wasn't the dispute. It was how merciful and redemptive God is. He doesn't hide or cover our failings like they're a dispute, he simply redeems it and he brings about good, great good from it. That's hope, huh? That's, now we have two missionary journeys, Paul, uh, Barnabas and John Mark, Paul and Silas. We have double the kingdom work. That's just like our God. Acts 16, where we are today, picks up the story now. Today's title is this, The Mind of the Spirit. The Mind of the Spirit. And the title, we'll see, relates more to the second section and the closing of the message 
than the first section where we're talking about the setting of what's going on. But let's begin with the text. Paul went first to Derby, then he went to Lystra. This is the setting. They were traveling out again. They had rested in Antioch, Syria. Now they're traveling out again. We don't hear of Barnabas anymore in Acts. Don't take that as he was the wrong party. That's not it at all. We're going to show later in this text probably why we haven't heard of Barnabas, and we hear a lot about Paul. Luke now focuses on the journey and the experiences of the Apostle Paul. Paul began his second missionary journey by returning to Derby and Lystra, two regions where he and Barnabas had previously ministered on journey number one. There's your map. I'm getting pretty good at this now, huh? Just swiggle a little bit. If I could just be a little more steady moving that mouse, but it just wants to jump a little bit, and there's no way to erase once you draw it. So from Antioch, Syria, Paul traveled inland this time, not by ship. See, he went inland, north through the rest of Syria, Cilicia to Derby, and then Lystra. Barnabas, he went west, and he did sail with John Mark to Cyprus. So that's where they're at, but there's no record of what's going on. Luke doesn't cover it. So Paul went first to Derby and then Lystra, and there was a young disciple there named Timothy. You've heard of Timothy, right? His mother was a Jewish believer. His father was a Greek or a Gentile, uh, meaning non-Jew. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on his journey. A young disciple named Timothy. This is where Scripture first introduces us to Timothy. Of course, he becomes a very prominent player in the New Testament moving forward. He becomes the pastor of Ephesus, which was like the cutting-edge church in the New Testament. What do we know about him at this point? Well, maybe this will be encouraging to some of us. He was from a mixed ethnic and religious family. His mom was a Jewish believer. His dad was a, a, a Gentile of Greek descent, and most likely his dad was not a believer. So he grew up in a mixed environment in his home. It's one reason why he wasn't circumcised, which is what we're going to talk about a little. His dad was not, a, was not Jewish. Timothy was well thought of in the church, well respected. He had a good reputation. Paul was impressed with him, enough to invite Timothy to join them on his missionary journey. That's saying something. Poor John Mark. Paul had no time for John Mark and wouldn't take him. He comes across Timothy. He's like, hey, we need somebody. Will you join us? Now, the next verse is very interesting. We just need to address it for a reason. It doesn't really make sense. This is one of the shock, shockers in this verse. It's not the main shocker to me, but it's one of them. In deference to the Jews of the area, Paul arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek or a Gentile. Are you thinking about that? Did Paul mess up by having Timothy circumcised? Remember back the huge debate that we looked at in chapter 15, a debate in Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas actually went there over this issue of circumcision. Because Jews were getting into the church, Pharisees were getting into the, the churches, and they were trying to make Gentile converts be circumcised. And they were trying to make Gentile converts follow the law of Moses to be saved. 
It was a huge issue at that time, chapter 15. And in that council, Paul and Barnabas were the main voices arguing against Gentiles having to be circumcised. Do you remember that? Were you here that week? Those weeks? That week? The council was Peter and all the big guns in Jerusalem, all the leaders and the elders. The council, of course, agreed with Paul and Barnabas, and they rejected the teaching of the religious Jews. The council affirmed that Jews and Gentiles alike are saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of circumcision, not by keeping the law. No one can be saved by works of the law or good works. We're saved by grace through faith, all of us. So here we have a first and mighty victory for religious freedom, so to speak. They took that legalism off. But here's the shock. So in light of that decision, Paul and Barnabas were to carry that decision back to the Gentiles, Gentile churches. What in the world is Paul now doing having Timothy circumcised? When you read Scripture, don't be afraid to read with an inquisitive mind. Don't be challenging everything, but asking God what? That's what I do. What? Wasn't this an insult to the council? Wasn't this an insult to their decision and a complete turnaround in Paul's thinking? Do you think it was? How many say yes? How many say no? (laughs) The answer is no. It wasn't. Would you like to know why it wasn't? Yes is the right answer there. The answer lies not so much in the action itself, having Timothy circumcised, in the motivation and purpose behind the action. And I'm going to try and explain. What was the motivation and purpose of the Jewish religious leaders and the Pharisees when they got into the church? I'll just give you the answer. Their motivation and purpose was to put a legalistic works requirement for salvation. You must do these work, circumcision, keep the law, and whatever else they added to it, you must do this to be saved. That was their motivation. That was their purpose, to put this heavy burden back on the people who just came out of that burden, out of that burden of legalism, into freedom and faith and grace, and they wanted to put that burden back on. No, no, if you're not circumcised, you're not keeping the law, you're not doing this or that and not doing this or that, you're not saved. That was their motivation. Is that clear enough? What was the motivation and the purpose of the Apostle Paul in having Timothy circumcised? And I'll just give you the answer. Paul's motivation and purpose here was love for Timothy. You see the difference. He arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. Why? To spare Timothy the wrath, the opposition, the persecution of the religious Jews in the area, to shield Timothy and to protect him from their vitriol and their venom. As we have seen, first with Jesus, then with the apostles themselves, they had experienced that from the Jews, and Paul was doing this out of an act of love for Timothy to shield him for that, shield him from that. We have seen that the religious Jews could be absolutely 
brutal. And Timothy was a young disciple on his way up in the Lord, and Paul wanted to shield him. That was only one half the consideration, though. The other was this. By Timothy being circumcised, it would make him more effective in ministry to the Jews. And Paul was all about effectiveness. I'm going to give you a principle here. Paul was all about effectiveness in kingdom work. They were going to reach many Jews on this journey on which they were embarking. Jews would much more readily accept Timothy, knowing that he was a Gentile by birth and had chosen, chosen, key word, he had chosen to be circumcised. Are you still following me? Here's a scriptural principle for us as we serve the Lord in kingdom work. Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means or any possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. (coughs) Excuse me. I call this the all things to all people principle. And it's found in more than one place in the New Testament. Short of sin. Will you say that with me? Short of sin. Short of sin. Short of sin, I will do whatever it takes to win lost souls. That's how important it is. Short of sin. Short of sin, I will become whatever it takes to win a person to the Lord. Let me give you an an illustration. So oftentimes pastors are invited to address different groups of people. So if I'm I'm invited to address a farmer's co-op, I'm not going to go in there in a three-piece vested suit to address them. If I'm invited to address a Forbes 500 business executive convention, I'm not going to go in there wearing bib overhauls and a straw hat. You say, well, man, that's hypocritical. No, that's this principle of love operating all things for all men. I will do whatever it takes to reach somebody. I'm not going to purposefully offend anybody. Purposefully. When you speak truth, you will offend people. Get used to it. But we're not going to intentionally or purposefully offend anybody. We're interested in them getting saved. We're trying to attract them to Christ, not turn them away from Christ. So why would I go waltzing in, dressed in a way that I know they're not really going to be able to receive from me? Short of sin. All things to all people. Address them where they are comfortable. Address them where you can fit in and they can accept me. It's always better. Short of sin. It's always better to find common ground rather than the things that we are in opposition to. Where we can say, you know, I agree with that. Did you ever consider this aspect? Instead of going in, no, 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 you are wrong. The Bible says, strike some common ground first. And then you might have an opportunity to tell them what the Bible says. All things to all people, a wonderful strategy for evangelism. And this was Paul's strategy, and this is why he had Timothy 
circumcised at Timothy's agreeing and submitting to it. Short of sin. So you better not go out of here saying, man, pastor said he'd... Short of sin. We're never to sin to reach somebody for Christ. We're never to compromise truth to reach somebody for Christ. But we're going to do whatever we can to make it easy for them to come to Christ. Are you with me? You look like you're puzzled. Uh Uh-oh, Deb has a question. (laughs) For later. All right, let's get back to the passage. Nowhere in there does it ever say Paul was concerned that Timothy wasn't fully saved or that he needed to be circumcised to become complete or to get saved. Paul's motivation and his purpose are completely different from the Jewish religious leaders in chapter 15. And I just wanted to address this matter so that you didn't read it and think, wow, that Paul, what a hypocrite. This is not hypocritical at all. I know it's deep, but it's not hypocritical at all. And verses 4 and 5 actually support our conclusion that Paul didn't change his mind on this matter. They went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. The priority of Paul, Silas, and now Timothy as they visited these churches that Paul and Barnabas had established in the area Their purpose, their main purpose was to make sure that Gentile believers knew that, phones off, to make sure that the Gentile believers were made aware of the decisions that were made at the council in Jerusalem. They really want to get a hold of you. (laughs) That's okay. You know, I better check and make sure mine's off, so don't you worry about it. I've been up here already and my phone rang in my pocket. Don't you worry about it. Linda, are you okay? Don't worry about, you're not worrying about this? The point I'm trying to make is when Paul and Barnabas went around to the churches, their very reason for going was to make sure the Gentiles knew they didn't have to get circumcised. They didn't have to follow the law to get saved. Not a bad idea to come under the law once you're saved because the law is good. But you don't need to keep it to get saved or nobody to get saved. This is wisdom. By having Timothy circumcised, he took away the fuel of the Jews. That is brilliant. The Jews had no fuel now to come against him on this matter. They couldn't come and say, yeah, we know why you're promoting this because you want Timothy with you and he's not circumcised. And Paul can look him in the eye and say, should have checked your facts first. Timothy willingly got circumcised for your sake. That's not why I'm saying this. And the end result of all this... And this section is that the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. So the end result, strong, growing churches. That completes the first section. Now the second section is going to give us our main point, our lesson for today. I mean, all things to all people is a good point too. We need to become all things to all people so that we might in 
any way reach some for Christ. Those things that are not sin and are not forbidden by God, don't hold on to those sacred cows so that it hinders you in evangelistic work. Self-righteousness is a death blow to evangelism. Second section, second lesson or main point. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. The journey continues. New areas now. And the emphasis in this section, listening? Don't miss this. The emphasis in this section is entirely on dividing, divine guidance by the Holy Spirit. Something that's greatly lacking in the church. What? Wait. We're Christians. Aren't we all about the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, look you in the eye. Divine guidance by the Holy Spirit is greatly lacking in the church. Like it or not, we make our own decisions and then we rationalize away why God would be okay with it. Come on. I guess I can tell this story. I'm already in trouble with you, so. <laughs> Just kidding. So I knew a girl once. Not, a, not, like, not, not that way, not back in the past. But, and she was finally, she professed to be a believer. She was finally coming into her own as a Christian. God had gotten a hold of her heart. She was coming out of a, a past, she had four children, never married. God was bringing her out of that. He was redeeming her from that. He's redeeming her life like he redeems all of our lives. And she came to me one day and she said, I mean, she was just moving forward with the Lord. She was so, it was impressive to watch. And she came to me one day and she said, hey, pastor, I'm going to move in with my boyfriend over in York. We're going to live together. And she didn't ask me any questions, but I also couldn't hold my tongue. <laughs> so I just said, you know, you're doing, you're just moving forward so much in the Lord. I mean, he has gotten a hold of you. Look at this. Look at that. He's redeeming all your past mistakes. And I would just be amiss as your pastor if I didn't tell you that if you do that, if you move in with him without getting married, you're going to forfeit a level of God's blessing and favor on your life. Your forward progress is at least going to halt. Most likely it's going to start to go this way. And she politely listened to everything I said. And then she said, well, if he's willing, I'm going to do it. And she did it. And a month later, he was gone. And she's gone. We make our own decisions and we rationalize why God's okay with it rather than following the Spirit and letting Him lead us. And following the Spirit is very closely connected to knowing and following His Word because He directs us in many ways. We'll see today He directed them through a dream, but He directs us primarily through His Word. And that decision that she made was completely against His Word. It couldn't be a decision that God was going to bless. Are you with me? Hey, here's some more geography for you. 
That's my version of a direction and a block. So they traveled west of Phrygia, then north into Galatia. That was not a region or a city, or that was a region, not a city. But you notice the abrupt right turn of that red line. Right before you see the sort of straight up and down line, there's an abrupt right turn. There's a reason for that, and it's very interesting. And this, to me, was the shock of all shocks in this passage. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. There must be a misprint there. The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word? Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in Asia. Shouldn't that say Satan prevented them? Check your versions. Prevented to restrain, to hinder, to obstruct, to block. Somehow. The Holy Spirit restrained them, hindered them, obstructed them, blocked that missionary team from entering the province of Asia at that time. See, Paul's intention was to get to Ephesus, which was the capital of Asia Minor. And he did eventually get there, but not at this time. The Holy Spirit redirected him away from Asia. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Did you ever see this before and think about it before? Well, like, what in the world's going on? Same deal. Another map. Here's where the thing ends up. They started in Derby and Lystra, and they had to make a sharp right turn because you see Asia circled in yellow. The Holy Spirit stopped them. So they went over to Galatia, and then they thought, we're going to head up to Bithynia. Er, stop. So they started west. They were blocked from Asia. They were blocked from getting into Ephesus. They were blocked from getting into Bithynia. Why? Obvious question, why? Right? Well, let me just give you another story of another gal that we knew on fire for the Lord, just wanted to serve him, had a heart to serve him, but was kind of lacking some, some mature teaching in areas like this. And she came to see me one day, and she said, you know, Pastor, I want to go, and I want to serve, and I want to minister in the deepest, darkest places of the earth where even God's not working. Her heart was so pure. But I said, why would you want that? If God's not working there, what are you going to do there? You're going to get eaten up and spit out. Perhaps these guys, there would have been more trouble in Asia or Bithynia than they could handle. Perhaps you could speculate a thousand reasons. But the, the principle is the Holy Spirit stopped them from going one direction and redirected them twice. And it wasn't that they were out in sin. They were preaching the gospel. Got your thinking caps on? Why couldn't they go there at that time? 
I'll save you the trouble because I've already been there. It's futile to speculate why, because God didn't tell us. <laughs> he only told us that the Holy Spirit stopped them and redirected what he's trying to get across. Well, let me say it this way. God didn't tell us why, so we don't know. But there is something God does want us to know. And it's very important, and it's our main point for the day, and it's this. The Holy Spirit is to be the one directing believers' paths through life. We don't live like that. Come on. We don't. The average Christian does not live like that. We turn to him when we're in trouble and when we're in crisis. And when we really don't know what to do, we'll ask him. But day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, the way it's supposed to be, we don't live like that. And we're hurting because of it, and the world is hurting because of it. Got that, Eddie? I see you're nodding vigorously. Thank you. I want you to think about that for your own life and for our church's life and for the church's life. It kind of explains to me a question I've, or an issue I've always raised with you. Why do we have so many churches in our area and so many professing believers throughout our nation and our culture is going to hell? Why? Why? Why aren't we impacting our culture? At least part of it is because we're just out doing our own thing. Turning to God when we need him, but other than that. And I'm not even talking about gross sin. This was not gross sin. This was an intention to serve the Lord. But he had to make sure they got to where he wanted them to go and do what he wanted them to do. Anything short of that, ineffective. Smattering of success. Yeah, we've seen a couple of people get saved. We've seen a couple of this or a smattering of that. But, man, where's the fruit that God wants to produce that he's been talking to us about? A bigger barn for a greater harvest. Where is it? And we've been here for 10 years. I've listened to conversations recently among Christians, and I'm, I'm guilty too. But I came around scratching my head because the, the things that we talked about, which were not gross sin, but you know what we didn't talk about? Reaching the lost for Christ, the mission of the church, how God's using us, where he's using us. That's not in our conversations. We focus much more on the things of the church than the purpose of the church. The Holy Spirit is to be the one directing believers' path through life. Let's make it even, bring it home. The Holy Spirit is to be the one directing our path through life. You and me, think about that. Romans 8, 14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh-oh. I have a feeling this is going to be a pew gripper. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. True sons and daughters of God are those who are being led by the Spirit of God as they go through life. True sons and daughters of God are those who have the mind of the Spirit as they go through life. And don't act like we haven't heard this before because God's been speaking to us a ton about this kind of stuff. 
True sons and daughters of God are those whose paths are being directed by the Spirit as they go through life. And although you might not think so by the talk, there is a, a desperate lack of teaching in this area in the church. Like Ron always said, we've heard so much teaching about the Father. We've heard so much teaching about Jesus, but we're so lacking in teaching about the Holy Spirit. We know the Father. We know Jesus. We know of or about the Holy Spirit. But I don't think the church today knows him through experience, including me. And I do think for those who have ears to hear and are willing, that's going to change in these days ahead. Not because we're, we're so special, but because that's God's plan and purpose and intention for the church. And he's looking for those who will hear him and come into that move of his Holy Spirit. And it's going to be mind-blowing. You say, well, I can't even imagine what it's like. That's because we never experienced it. There's going to be things that we can't even ask or imagine that he's going to do. Things that seemed impossible will no longer be possible. I like, I like this saying, you know, we pray for things that seem so impossible. Well, revival makes the impossible possible. Because it's no longer us trying to bring it about. It's God's spirit. <laughs> and we're being led by him and we're walking in him and we're empowered by him. And that's when crazy things happen. And all those signs and wonders and miracles that you've been looking for and I've been looking for and you're wondering why we're not experiencing them, for the most part, they don't happen in church when your focus is on church. They happen on the mission when your focus is on bringing people to Christ. It may spill over into the church, but you don't need a miracle to live the Christian life you're living right now. But when you're out there in the front lines of the mission, you need miracles. I mean, that's, that has its ups and downs, too, but it's a lot more comfortable living the way we've been living. I like the message version of this, of this verse. So don't you see, this, this is a word from God to us, to you, to me. Just in your mind, think of God is speaking this to you right now. Don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. I love that. God's spirit is beckoning you into this exciting life that he has for you and me. There are things to do. There are places to go led by the Spirit. That's rich, isn't it? That's rich, isn't it, Rich? God again. Why are you still living your own life, carving your own way through life when you know better, instead of following God's Spirit? Man, am I going to lose my salvation, Pastor? Well, if you're truly saved, no, you're not going to. But you're missing out. You're missing out on an exciting journey that God has for you. Places to go and people to see, things to do that you can't even imagine right now because we haven't been there or done that. But that's faith, right? We walk by faith. 
Last time we spoke, we spoke about a journey of a lifetime, and it was sort of on this. Every believer has a unique and specific calling of God on their lives. Most of us are not living it. Well, that unique that spe- unique and specific plan and calling and purpose and assignment and assignments, because it's fluid, it's not one thing, it's all day, every day, really, that's access and that's experience through the Holy Spirit. That's how you get it. That's how you walk in it. That's how you know it. It's through the Holy Spirit. God is saying to us, get off your own path, your own life, and get onto my path for your life. This old do-it-yourself thing, it's not worth one red cent. God's Spirit is beckoning you. There are exciting things to do and places to go. Let Him guide, direct, and lead. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop depending on your own understanding. We're the masters at rationalizing things away and saying God will be okay with it. Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? You can't even know the deceit that lies in the flesh, in the world, and the devil. And if you're not walking in the Holy Spirit, if I'm not, we're going to be deceived. There is a way that seems right to a person, but the end is destruction. And even if it's not our personal destruction, look at our society today because of the way the church is living. There is so much, now this is gross sin, there is so much sin and immorality in the church, you can't tell the difference, especially for younger members between us and the world. There's no purity and morality to attract people. Because believe it or not, they say they want this. We did too before we knew the Lord. But we know it's not good for us. What really attracts people is morality and purity and the things that God has for us. That's what's really attractive. When I was telling you guys that war story in college and drunk and fighting and all that, and I said this and I mean it, anybody who calls that the good old days ought to have their head examined. The good old days began when I came to know Jesus Christ, January 16th, 1980. Seek his will. Stop just rationalizing your decisions away. Seek his will in all that you do. And guess what he promises? He'll show you what path to take. No more excuses. Well, I can't know. You seek him, he promises to show you. Our role is to seek him for his will, for his path, his plans, his purposes. His role is to direct us into it. It's win-win. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He, directs in, he delights in every detail of their lives. Once we come to know the Lord, although we will retain free will, we come to know him, we still retain our free will to make individual choices. In essence, when we came to know the Lord, and I hope this isn't new news for you, Once you came to the Lord, in essence, you gave up your right to direct your own path through life. Salvation is free. It just costs you everything. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. But you've got to give everything to get it. 
Blessed is the man who loses his life for my sake. He wants to direct our paths because he knows it's better for us than anything we can come up with. So the conclusion of this passage. So instead, now the Holy Spirit blocked them on two fronts. They went through Mysia to seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. They had two closed doors. God opens doors. God opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors that no man can open, it says. But our free will does come into play there. So God shut two doors. You're not going to Asia at this time. You're not going to Bithynia at this time, but I got a plan. So that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia was standing there pleading with him in the dream. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, pay attention to that, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us there to preach the good news. This, this, this whole passage is so rich. I know I'm going a little long. I, I, this passage is so rich. See, they had submitted their lives to the will and the path of the Lord for their lives. Therefore, God was faithful to lead, guide, and direct them onto his path for their lives. Even though there was some of this, well, maybe it's here. Oh, nope. Or maybe it's there. Nope. Ah, now God has showed us. And I don't know if it says it in this version, but I know one of the versions says it. Immediately, they got up. And they followed the Lord. There was no like, well, I don't know if I want to go to Macedonia, blah, blah, blah. It was like, we got God's will. We're on it. And that's the way we should be. There are times we're not 100% sure. I get that. We take our time. We, actually, I want to talk to you about that next week. How to know God's will. And so there are times that we're not sure, and then we, we act wisely. We talk to people about it. We talk to our elders, our leaders. We pray. We read the word. And i got some other things, too, to tell you, and, and we find God's will. But here's what I want to tell you today. Once you know you have God's will, no delay. Get on it. <laughs> God was faithful to lead and guide them into his path for their life. And on this particular occasion, the direction came through a dream. God may give you a dream. He may speak to you through somebody else, a prophetic word, or in so many ways. Didn't we go through a whole sermon series of how God speaks to us at one point? There's so many ways that God will speak to us, but the point now is he will speak to us. If you're open to it, he will speak to us. It serves his best interest to guide and direct us. He has a vested interest in your life, you know. Not just the Jesus dying for us and all that that went through, but he has built a plan around your obedience to him and your submission to him. And when that's not accomplished, all the things that would have benefited from that suffer. Oh, it's my life. I can just live however I want. Nobody else will really get hurt. Oh, that is so far from the truth. Simplest illustration. Yeah, if I want to drink and drive, I can, and boom. Yeah, somebody else has just suffered because of your drinking and driving. And that's the, that's the like, way out here. But it's true for all the decisions where we don't follow what God had for us. The good that God was going to bring about from it didn't happen. And quite possibly the evil that Satan wanted to bring about did happen. 
One little geographical thing. All this was happening in what today is Turkey, country of Turkey, western Turkey. Macedonia, nobody was giving any thought to Macedonia. That was over into eastern Europe and up into the north of eastern Europe. Who was thinking about evangelizing those people? Guess who was? God. (laughs) This I don't know 100% for sure, but there is some history to say that there were other apostles already working in these areas where the Spirit blocked them from, from, and he took them to Eastern Europe. And this we know historically is true. When they went into Eastern Europe, the people were ready to receive the gospel. Eastern Europe entered into revival. It spread through all of Europe. A few hundred years later, it spread across the ocean to the North American continents. So, okay, what if Paul wouldn't have went? What if Paul wouldn't have went? All that happened because of their obedience. We're a Christian nation because of Acts chapter 16, ultimately. What may have happened out there if we had been obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives? But don't come under condemnation. You start now. You start right now. One thing I do, I forget the past and I press on. What an exciting way to live life with the mind of the Spirit and the paths planned for us by the Spirit, allowing Him to take us wherever He is leading. Last last slide. For maximum effectiveness and success in the Christian life and in kingdom service or ministry, we must seek to have the mind of the Spirit. We must seek His paths for us through life. Dan, did I ask you to pray? So Dan's going to come and pray for us, pray us out of the message. Ron has planned some songs for CDs because we're not going to go back up as a band. And I just don't know why, but I had on my mind since I got here today that there might be some people who want prayer for healing. So once Dan's done praying and Ron puts on the music, if you would like to be prayed for healing, and this also for yourself, or in proxy for someone else who is not here. Come forward, and we'll have the elders who are here also come up, and we will pray healing of the sick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message. It is a great reminder for us to not just seek God or Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be very powerful in leading us to where we need to be. So please open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to continue to listen for the Holy Spirit and the path. God has put it on my mind to pray for some people. My friend Jason and his wife Heidi, they're struggling right now, and I asked them to come to church, come to service, and right now, just like I did a long time ago, I made excuses. Lord, give me the strength to continue working on Jason and Heidi, because they're really good people. 
I know they have faith. I know they're believers. But, Lord, I got to continue working on them to get them back into the church and into the word, Lord. And whomever knows those type of people out here in the congregation today, I pray for them as well. I pray for my son and his soon-to-be wife, Aaron, Kevin and Aaron. They're struggling with um, just some drama that got put in front of them that has nothing to do with them. So, Lord, just um, pray for them that they may get through this without relationship damage. And Lord, please guide them back to the church as well and all their friends and anyone else in the congregation here that knows some people like that that want to get back but just don't. We pray for them. So Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the chance to glorify you today, Lord. As we leave here today, let's remember to seek you for the path that we are supposed to be on. We glorify you and we thank you, Lord, for putting your son on this earth to die for us sins so that we can be part of your family, Lord. We thank you. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.